But what does it mean to break an artist? Will the industry definition of breaking change to more artists hitting singles and doubles than a few artists hitting grand slams? Today, we're going to unpack a Billboard article that I referenced in my last episode, and you won't believe what the label executives are saying. Welcome to the climb! This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business, as this article is going to further demonstrate. <laughs> leverage is what you're going to need to get some attention these days. Business labels are buying small businesses. They're not turning diamonds in the rough into superstars. So you got to do it yourself, but you don't need anybody's permission. That's why we call it the climb. C-L-I-M-B, creating leverage in the music business. That's a backstronym. You might have thought, acronym but you're wrong it's a backstronym <laughs> and that's created by my good friend and co-host and recent birthday boy mr brent baxter who also happens to be a hit songwriter with cuts by alan jackson randy travis lady a joe nichols and more got a few number ones in southern gospel in the last year or two top 10 in australia in the last year Got a couple more on the charts right now, and unbeknownst to some other people, I guess, who <laughs> are like, why are you such an expert on songs? Why don't you show us some stuff you've written? <laughs> you know what? He helps songwriters like you turn professional by teaching you how you can write like a pro, do business like a pro, and then on the regular, he connects you with the pros so that you can create relationships and what i love about that part brian is i know there's been a more than one longtime climber now that has worked their way clawed their way up the ladder mm -hmm. and has gotten publishing deals and is in the right rooms now and yeah. and just increasing their stock with every single day that they continue to work so i'm proud of you for that buddy and you can find brent and be showered with this kind of help and guidance and mentorship you can find him at songwritingpro.com and I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Twinnell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. They're breaking artists digitally by identifying new fans through data, and that's going to be especially important on today's episode. If you're an artist looking to increase your streams, blow up your video views, sell more live show tickets, and get discovered by new fans, TV, and music industry pros, then Daredevil Production can help. Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists like Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andy Griggs, just to name a few. You can find Johnny at Daredevil Production. Dot com. That's production, singular, no S, and there's no S because there is no other. Johnny D. Oh, the labels aren't breaking artists anymore. Oh, they're breaking them. In half. In half. Breaking their will, breaking their spirit, breaking, breaking their, their spirit. hopes and their dreams. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so I, I guess, you know, there, I had so many emotions reading through this article that we're going to unpack today, and they're definitely moving the line. Like, what's the word that I hate that the government uses? the new normal, <laughs> yeah. right? They're trying to, they're trying to shove that down. But you know what? In this case, I actually think that specific piece of the puzzle, that that is a reality, but that is a reality that's actually brilliant. It's good for us, the indie artists. It's good for us, the indie songwriters, because it supports what we've been saying about the tyranny of space yeah. is no longer the issue, which was... The bottom line is that because of the way that people consume music has changed and the way that people are turned on to music has changed. So because because the way that people are turned on to music and the way they consume music has changed, it so has 
the output. Mm-hmm. Like what can, you know, it's not, it's, it's, you don't need five different lever pullers and gatekeepers to tell you yes or no. Yeah. Anyway, that's what we're going to talk about today. But before we do that, let's get into some business real quick here. Make sure that you join the climb community on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the climb community. Mm-hmm. It's asked to be let in. We let everybody in as long as you don't look like a hooker or a bot. Okay. Right. And believe me, I'm not judging you on your looks or your outfit when I say hooker. It's just like if there's <laughs> if there's just like two pictures yeah. and a link that says come meet me or something like that, then hooker. It's probably not at the merch table. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's the probably merch table she wants me to meet at. <laughs> or right. a bot, you know, you or a bot. Like She's selling selling the lack thereof. Yeah. Yeah. That is not what the community is about. Hey, your merch table has no shirts on it. Precisely. Precisely. <laughs> how much? How much does it cost for no shirt? I know. Now, I know. now we're talking. Exactly. <laughs> and for a hundred dollars, I'll model it for you. For no yeah. <laughs> you would. You would be amazed at how much this one right here. How good it looks on me. <laughs> Oh my God, that's so funny, dude. Uh, so anyway, we want to hear about all your wins, all your gigs, all your new music, and we want you to post it as a comment on the proper post. Every week, we got a place for you to put your new music. Every week, we got a place for you to put your gigs. Every week, we got a place for you to put your uh, your your wins. I, I just, I didn't roadhouse this person, but I mean, somebody put up like a, a poll to help them vote for them to get some, uh, I took it down oh. and sent a kind I didn't send a nasty gram. I sent a kind like, hey, mm-hmm. put this in a post, you know, in a comment, in a post, not in the feed. Right. So hopefully that person understood where we're coming from. But let's uh, let's talk about some wins. I got one. Want to start off? Can I start off? Well, go ahead and go. Yes. So we just got a new client that this could be. This could be the client that can be like the I think of the Cro-Magnon Man chart. You know how we. <laughs> Went from apes to homo sapiens walking upright mm-hmm. with bigger brains. And we keep moving along and getting increasingly better artists with better budgets. With mm-hmm. and, and not only do we need good artists and not only do we need good budgets to help these artists, but also we need the, the artist has to want to play in the sandbox with what's required to break in today's thing. So this has been a long time coming. But we just got connected here and brought on the Hay Goods, which is this incredible family act from Branson, Missouri. Mm-hmm. And these, I mean, they grew up in, I think, in the hills of the Ozarks. Ain't nothing wrong with that. I got mad love for that. Yeah, mad love for that. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that they came from nothing. Okay. Yeah. As one does in the hills of the Ozarks. Unless yeah, I'm you're talking about like in the hills of the Ozarks. Yeah. And they have a... And for the last more than 20 years, they've had a hugely successful family act. They sell out three nights a week on Branson in a theater that has, I want to say it's like 1,200 seats. Mm-hmm. And they've sold more than 6 million tickets. Ooh. They have been constantly approached by you know, reality TV and Hollywood and all this kind of stuff. And they mm-hmm. just keep turning it away. And they are completely self-sufficient. They can produce their own music. They have all their own photography and video equipment and everything like that. They've got everything. And so for them, it's not going to be a huge behavior modification, mm-hmm. you know, something that they have to get their head around and, okay, we've got to do all this content. Right. And, and they're a business, family. Right? Yeah. 
they're all they're a, an entire family. They all grew up together, right? And they're all in the band. Everybody has their their own job in the band, right? Mm-hmm. One person does the marketing, one person does the accounting, one person does the promotion, or, or one person does is more of the creative. One person handles the show production. They do all their own show production and y'all their show production is amazing mm-hmm. um i mean like hanging upside down on cables doing guitar solos you know better than <laughs> richie sambora did in bon jovi you know what i mean yeah they have a drone show for part of their light show it's it's fantastic mm-hmm. i've seen the show i went up there with um with ray and amber mm-hmm. and because ray's managing now and went and saw him and i'm proud to say that you know we it looks like we beat out well i mean they've said we're going with with you guys so i'm gonna take them at their word but we beat out like a bunch of way 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 bigger agencies because we just get the music business mm-hmm. more and they're and they're trying to make they have a variety show in branson y'all okay yeah. and they billboards all over the place yeah. we were driving there the other day outside of branson for something and of course i'm noticing because i've been hearing their name more lately between you and ray yeah and it's like hey good hey good hey good hey good yeah. all over the billboards i'm like okay yeah, yeah. I mean, and they know, how, and they they are just a vulgar display of of prowess. I mean, just sick. They're sick. Everybody plays multiple instruments. They sing like angels, and they're so professional and they're so well run. The business behind the scenes mm-hmm. is is an oiled machine, and everybody is a part of nobody does it. So what I'm getting from this is, Johnny, if it fails, we know who the problem is. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know what? I mean, that's the thing. I'll take that. I will take that because, because I mean, with this, with these guys, like, here's the thing. They, they they've been working with Keith Stagall, mm-hmm. okay, like who's helping them kind of find their sound, right? Mm-hmm. They want to push into the mainstream music market now. Yeah. And, they're, you know, they're, they're very interested in this and more incapable of doing it. And they get what's going on. So they've been working with writers. They've been coming to town a lot to write. They've been working with the, the producers. And now it's time to start. So, I mean, hey, get this, folks. This is how this is how on point they are. They want to start releasing original music at the end of next spring. And so they're talking to me when now mm-hmm. to start promoting. Right. They understand digital it makes sense to them. So it, it's not like I have to cajole this artist to do covers or, or anything like that. I mean, literally, they're like, let's go. Just give us a list of stuff. If we choose them, we're going to do our own normal stuff. So you choose them and push us out of the box, and we'll try to make something happen. I'm like, let's go. So that's where it's at right now. So I'm super excited about this because they have a budget too. And when stuff starts to work, they're going to be able to really commit to it and and make something happen long term, which is what it's going to take, right? It's not going to happen overnight. Mm-hmm. And they have just, I mean, they're, they're, when we ramp up their content, they've got some things, some, some aces up their sleeve, not the least of which is they can put cameras on drones. Mm-hmm. And I don't see that as a regular occurrence in terms of artist content on TikTok, right? Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, three times a week, they walk out onto a stage in front of a sold out audience. So that didn't hurt either. Can't get any more social proof than that. Yeah. So anyway, super excited about that. Johnny. Awesome. All right. So we have some other wins in the climb community where this is every Wednesday. We post the new heights is where we encourage you to celebrate your wins, your music related wins with the climb community. So we know where the party is so we can find it and congratulate you and all that good stuff. So we don't have time for all of them, which is a good problem to have. It's high-class problems, as Johnny would say. Climber Amy Barnett says, just got my first number one song in Texas. 
which is awesome. The song is called Label and by Ariel Hutchins. It was number one like two weeks ago at the time of her posting it in the New Heights. So recent number one in Texas, which is awesome, Amy. I've gotten a top 10 or two in Texas, but I've not rung that number one bell in Texas yet. So congratulations. I love hearing that. Let's see here. Our buddy Randy Maynard just found out the official music video for Stranger in the Pew by artist Daniel Ball will release on Friday the 15th. So by the time you hear this, the single is out. You need to go get Stranger in the Pew. Also, Gator Nation. Artist Jericho Stone releases at midnight. So Gator Nation is another song that Randy was a part of writing. So that's out. And looks He's like working. It's- He's working. He is, he is a hustler. So when, when, uh, when Maynard wakes, he wakes hard. <laughs> that's right. So uh, so he has two releases on the same day, two different artists, two different kinds of songs. That's okay, wait, hold on. Get your shot glasses. Get your shot glasses. Uh oh. Or my coffee. Vulgar display of prowess. Way to go, Manor. Way to go. My super coffee. <laughs> there we go. So good job, Randy. Good job, uh, Amy and everybody. So just keep on climbing. There you go. And make sure you follow the podcast and tell a friend about it. All right. Brent, we're going to read this article. We're going to unpack it as we go. There are so many value bombs in this. And there are so many things that we've already been talking about. So, Brent, I want you to interrupt early and often and talk about these different points, okay? All right, here we go. So this is a Billboard article that came out on August 2nd of this year. So about six weeks ago at the recording of this podcast, maybe eight weeks ago by the time you hear it. But, y'all, this is – so that means it's recent, right? Right. It's entitled, Pop Stars Aren't Popping Like They Used To. Do Labels Have a Plan? It's written by Elias Light. Uh, It says, at a time when executives agree it's harder to create superstars, the music industry may need to change how it views a win. What does it mean to, quote, break, unquote, an artist? It's a question that has plagued the music industry in recent months. In recent months? Come on. Like, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) It's been going on longer than that. If a singer has billions, tell me if you heard this before, Brent. If a singer has billions of streams but walks down the street unrecognized, have they broken? <laughs> is a lone billion stream single enough, or is a second hit required as proof of staying power? And what if an artist racks up multiple hits but can't pull off a major headlining tour? The consensus among label executives is that the last pop artist to break big was Olivia Rodrigo, who had four top 10 Billboard Hot 100 hits during 2021 and debuted at number one in the chart with Vampire in July, this past July of 2023. Mm -hmm. It's a track record, they say, that today makes her seem like a unicorn. Here's the big quote. Nobody knows how to break music right now. One senior executive laments, I think they're all lost. Wow. That's encouraging. That's a quote from a senior record label executive. Raise your hand if you want a record deal right now. (laughs) Yeah. Raise your hand if you want a record deal right now. Because if you do, if if your first thought is, well, duh, of course I want a record deal, Johnny. Then you know what? You're not listening to a damn thing I'm saying on this podcast. Mm -hmm. And I'm not against the labels, y'all, but I'm against the labels trying to break you. If they don't know how. Right? Because they're because they don't know how. And here they are admitting it in Billboard magazine for the love of everything that is holy. Okay? Like it is here they're saying it out loud. So 
labels have a machine that can, once you get the momentum going, can really add fuel to the fire. But make no mistake about it. Like you, now, we've been telling you for seven years now, you got to create the momentum. But I mean, you got to still drive mm -hmm. because you know what? What I'm reading here, and the rest of this article is going to show you. And we've been, first of all, that we're right. Yeah, we've been saying this forever, and we're right again. I'm not saying that to be egotistical or to be obnoxious, but man, we're right. <laughs> we are right. And it's important that you know that we're right and that you see this too, because it's your money. It's your career. It's your career. And they are going to do what they know how to do, which is radio. And you know what? They're running out of money. And now, as this article is going to inform you, they're changing their business model. Mm -hmm. So you know what? When your business model, Brent, is based on big making big superstars because you can. Right. How do you feel about the initial budgets on the debut record? Well, it's it was based on that. It's got to be a big budget because you got to break somebody huge, right? Yeah, and I mean, obviously, you're going to have some some discretion there, mm -hmm. but you know what? You're going to err towards a bigger budget because you're going to get a bigger artist out of it. You're going to take bigger risks, right? Yeah. So the business models for labels are changing even more. So we're going to get into that and. You guys, I can't tell you how many YouTube and TikTok stars have been signed that could have been broke, but they got the record deal because that's that's what they asked God for. That was their wish, right? Yeah. And I'm not saying that God grants wishes, but it's just like, that's so please let me have that. And then they got it. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, okay, now I've made it. Right. Because they got the record deal. And then the record label, they don't understand what you did on YouTube mm -hmm. or what you did on TikTok. Yeah. They don't get it. And so you just handed the reins over to them. And it's when you make these deals with a label, you have to have the leverage. Oh my gosh, where have we heard that word before? Yeah. To go in and say, listen, let's be honest with, if we're being intellectually honest with one another and we're going to make this deal work, you have to admit to me that when it comes to digital, you have no idea how I did this. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it to be, this is what you tell the label. I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm just saying, if you knew what I was doing, you would do this all the time. Yeah. Because this is the kind of money I make off my YouTube channel. Right. Or my TikTok channel. But you don't. So I need a lot of discretion here. Like I need the budget and I need the infrastructure, but I need to be calling the shots. Mm -hmm. If you want to play it that way, we can go forward. If you don't, then that's not the label for you guys. Right. And believe me, it's going to be way more people that are just like, you know how lions, like when a new lion comes into the pride and he eats all the babies from the old lion? Right, yeah. Labels do that crap all the time. Mm -hmm. So if it's not their name on it that broke you, then they might not be interested in breaking you. And so you need to be careful because you can turn into from making a six or even seven figure living on YouTube, your dang self. Mm-hmm. To going to being on a record label, losing all your revenue because you're not consistent anymore on YouTube and failing at the label because they don't know what to do with you. And now you got a $100,000 bill to get out of the deal if you want to so you can go start over again. Yeah. I mean, I'm, it reminds me, you know, I've been self-published for a few years now. And, but, you know, people are starting to sniff around and I'm starting to kind of kick the tires a little bit on, oh, do I want another publishing deal? That yeah. sort of thing. And we, you know, we've had these conversations and a big piece of the conversation for me is going to be 
are we in alignment on the way the music business is and how to leverage my particular skill sets and situations and platforms and that sort of thing to benefit both of us? Like, it's not just about, oh, I want to say I got a publishing deal. I want to say I have a draw because I don't really need a draw. It's about other things. Yeah. And so that's leverage, right? Because I can walk away if it's not the right thing. I don't need a publishing deal. I need like the right one, a good partner that we see eye to eye and we'll each of us work our butts off. So we, everybody wins, but it's the same thing with the label though. Yeah. You got to make sure that they see your vision. They understand you and your path. And then you got to be able to walk away from it if it's not right. Yeah. And it, yeah, you got to. And so, I mean, I think the best value bomb in that just mad rap spit value bombs that you just did <laughs> was alignment. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I guess, you know, what I'm reading in this article here is that a labels are out of alignment with artists that are coming in right now mm-hmm. and they want to go this way. And there's a lot of them that are having a real hard time. Bottom line is, I mean, they're trying to go digital, but again, their legacies, their everything that makes them important, everything that's added value where they've been able to add value to other artists' lives has been based around radio. Yeah. And like my last episode that is radio the death of radio if they don't have that they don't know what to do mm-hmm. right it's a bitter pill because it's scary like the curtain's coming down and their first instinct is not to adapt their first instinct is to fight it right. and that's human instinct that's just what all humans do you know but i don't know why, hole but- in the boat row faster yeah. And, and and exactly. And and Darwin said it, you know, it's not the strongest of the species that's going to survive. It's not the most intelligent of the species that's going to survive. It's the most adaptable because the world is always changing. Mm-hmm. And if you can't adapt, then it doesn't matter how big and powerful you are, you'll be reduced to nothing, mm-hmm. right? Without it. So it goes on to say there's a need and a desire for new artists that have real substance. Artists that are more than just a song mm-hmm. that we can really lean into. Artists that where we can buy concert tickets and buy merchandise. Says Jay Irving, a manager and founder of the artist services and distribution company Human Resources. Each person I talk to in the industry is more depressed about this than the last person I talked to before them. Says another manager. The melancholy flies in the face of some bright spots. As of July 1st, 14 artists have cracked the Hot 100's top 10 for the first time. Hmm. A very group that includes the Nigerian singer Rima, the American rapper, I think I'm pronouncing this right, Koyla Ray, the country powerhouse Bailey Zimmerman, and the regional Mexican star Peso Pluma. That number is already more than double the six newcomers, plus the Encanto cast who entered the top 10 over the same six-month period last year. Seemingly a sign that the industry can still catapult young talent into the popular consciousness. Genre-wise, country is buzzing and Pluma is at the forefront of a regional Mexican boom. There are artists breaking. It's just that they're in different genres, not typical pop, one major label A&R executive says. Pop's current genre share dropped from 12.87% at the start of 2023 to 10.69% at the midpoint, according to Luminate. Hmm. Still, many executives remain worried about the stagnation beyond a single musical style. They scan the landscape and see moments, as one puts it, that can fade rather than genuine breakthroughs that endure. 
A lot of people have this bleak mindset, a second major label A&R executive says. Even pop radio is seeing historic lows in consensus hits, according to the radio veteran Guy Zapolian, who, which has led to a bear market for new music. So, I mean, from this, guys, what, is this, what does this say to me? I mean, it says to me that... Do you know why labels focused on specific genres? Because they had the best relationships at radio with those genres. Mm-hmm. And they're not necessarily in touch with what the fans want or like in different genres outside of, of their strong suit. Right. They right? know what they know. They know their lane. Yeah, they know their lane. They know it well. God bless them. But hey, are you, what genre are you? Mm-hmm. And you better be factoring this in when you start to get attention from the industry, right? Dylan Bourne, who manages rapper Jaleel, among others, expresses a common industry sentiment. I see one act that has broken through you this year, and that's Ice Spice, he adds. The fears and concerns that people were having last year have only increased. Some blame the meager number of breakthroughs on label decisions. According to the first A&R executive, labels have signed more and signed worse than ever before in the decade plus I've been at a major. So he doesn't like the signings, hmm, right? Yeah. And there was, a, there was a run of like TikTok stars with the single big hit yeah. that I think they're mostly getting burned on. I'm sure that by now they probably had at least one or two that have maybe broke even or started to make money. But, you know, we, we've talked about that before on the pod. Yeah. Every issue that we're facing now, well, hold on, I skipped a paragraph here. Some cite the precipitous decline of mass media, like radio, and the maddening unpredictability of TikTok. Mm-hmm. They're saying this is the reason that labels can't break artists, right? And some attribute the feeling of industry inertia to the exhausting intensity of competing for attention in a world where gamers and influencers wield as much clout as music artists, if not more. Brent, where do gamers and industry and, and influencers hang out? I guess online. Yeah, on digital platforms. Right, yeah. So what this article says, let me break it down for you without the, uh, the billboard ease. If you're on a digital platform and you understand how to honor the digital platform, they're saying you're having, you wield as much power and as much clout now as the music artists who don't mm-hmm. understand it and the industry who doesn't understand it. And they say some cite the precipitous decline of mass media like radio. So here again, billboard telling you straight out the precipitous decline of mass media like radio it's declining yeah it's toast yet labels are still going to try to spend a million dollars to get a number one mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. radios because it still costs a million dollars to get a number one on radio even though the decline of radio means what brent i mean they're not gonna break as many new people for one thing what is the decline of, I mean, just like a, an actual definition. What does the precipitous decline of mass media like radio mean? It is going down. Why? People are not listening like they used to. People aren't listening. There's not enough people listening. Mm-hmm. Right? And so the pay, they still, radio still has to pay the same amount of money to spin a song to a publishing company. For the moment. But if people aren't listening, those license agreements they have with the radio stations like the that the pros have ascap csac bmi in the u.s those numbers are going to have to change because it's based off 
ad revenue basically is where the labels make their money. So if people aren't listening, they're not able to charge what they used to charge for advertisements. And that's going to trickle down to the spins not being worth as much. It just has to, right? I, I do, but I think I think I'm that kind of thing isn't that like a I literally, and I don't mean this like figuratively or like as a cliche, but isn't that literally an act of Congress? No. That's not a deal. Is that a deal between the PROs? And That's a deal between the PROs and the license holders, which would be bars, restaurants, radio stations. Mechanical rates are set by Congress. Yeah, are set by the copyright or the whatever, the office in D.C. Okay. So that's what you get paid off, physical sales, that kind of stuff. Streaming that counts as a mechanical, but they don't, they don't deal with performances or sync, which is why, hey, guess what? We also get paid a lot better for sync and we get paid more for spins. Yeah. Except for the things where like Spotify counts as a spin, but then, you know, there is no, you know, we're trying to fight the legal fight to get them to actually just pay us at all kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, but in general, I think pays the best and the government has nothing to do with it. So consider this. Okay. Here's me being right again. All right. I'm sorry if this makes you uncomfortable, but I'm right. The precipitous decline of mass media like radio, they're saying, some are saying that's the problem. Why? Labels can't break artists. And then it's followed up with the maddening unpredictability of TikTok. Hmm. Brent, explain to me how, because you've been through this with many, many label artists. Let's just take Alan Jackson. Mm -hmm. Let's take, let's take Monday Morning Church. When they released Monday Morning Church, what was the radio campaign like? How long were they pushing that song? Man, it's been a minute since I want to say the record or the single came out like in October of 24, no, 20 or 2004. And then it peaked sometime in like early 2005. So it was, it took it a while to get up there. Radio didn't move as fast. And of course, that was kind of before TikTok and all that stuff. Right. But I mean, Alan Jackson's already a legend at that point. Yep. Yep. So it had a big rollout. It had a ton of ads, but it just radio was, you know, kind of slow rolling mm -hmm. stuff a little bit more in those days, I think. Well, here's the point on how, how they did it, right? I mean, marketing 101, right? You go to marketing, your first marketing class in college, marketing 101. Here it is reach and frequency. <laughs> yes. Reach and frequency. So to your point, Brent, he got a lot of ads, mm -hmm. which means. He's going to get on all those stations yeah. already because he already had a big name. So the reach part licked it, right? Right off the bat, yeah. Right off the bat. Now, frequency. Frequency, 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 frequency. That's rotational format program. Brent, you started getting stinky checks in the mail because of so many spins. That's right. Yeah, that was by far the biggest part of my income on that song was radio spins versus mechanicals and stuff. And he, you know, he went platinum. Yeah. But yeah, it started and it built as it went, you know, when he's in the 20s and 10, you know, whatever. It got the biggest checks came from when he hit top five because that was the most spins. So each and so frequency, right? So there's there, it's in rotation. Mm -hmm. The song is in rotation on all these stations, and they're spinning it probably between forty and seventy times a week for each station. Which you know, let's do the math again. Coming down to peak listener hours, that's about every sixty to ninety minutes. Mm -hmm. That's what it's going to take, by the way, to get to number four. Mm -hmm. You're not going to get to number four with a passive hit. 
with the song in light rotation, right? Because right? number four was was all about spins, right? Mm-hmm. That wasn't a sales number. That was a radio, radio number. Radio. That was mm-hmm. like, this is the number four most spun song this week. Yeah. And so, y'all, that's the most amount of frequency. That's the fourth most amount of frequency out of the top 100 songs mm-hmm. that are being spun. Think about that. Frequency. So radio is fundamentally anchored in the, I'm being redundant. It's anchored in the fundamentals of marketing, mm-hmm. but the, the frequency is built in with the rotation, right? right? So you're hearing that song over and over and over and over and over again. If you're listening to the radio, you are. Yeah. But in 2004, everybody was listening to the radio. Mm-hmm. God bless them. Or you listen to what you own. You still had only two choices for music for the most part. Right. And so then that same sentence goes on to say the maddening unpredictability of TikTok. You know what? Remember the episode that I did when I talked about how the labels and the digital marketing companies and when there was 250 million people on TikTok in 2019, they would just spend money on a couple of influencers like the shuffle dancers or, you know, there's other influencers that have done like stupid stuff on TikTok and they would put the song in their next piece of content Mm -hmm. and the song would take off on streaming and it would rock and it would be amazing. And they had a hit on their hands, right? Well, now there's more than a billion people on TikTok and those influencers don't have the same influence. That's not maddening unpredictability. That's actually predictable. But how do radio, how how do record labels, what's their approach to a digital marketing campaign? And how does that compare to the radio marketing campaign? Or promotion, use promotion. Yeah, well, it's piddly next to radio, right? The amount of money they spend, the time they spend. Yeah. Because on radio, they, if it doesn't go viral in two weeks, yeah, on radio they know it's going to take, especially new artists, new single, or whatever. It's going to take a while to climb up there into the top of the charts. Are they willing to do that? Yeah, they, they, they sort of have a gauge, don't they? They sort of have like an intuition and understanding of the amount of frequency it's going to take to get that song to where they want it to go. Mm-hmm. And they, because they have this expertise in radio, they can then say, this is going to take about this long to get this amount of frequency mm-hmm. to have the song do this. Yeah. Make sense? Mm-hmm. But what we're talking about here is fundamentals. And then we go to digital, no fundamentals. Do you see what I'm saying, people? And you suck at the fundamentals too on digital. Y'all do. You know, you don't get it. Bless your heart. Bless your hearts. But you can actually be better than the record labels right now Mm -hmm. if you get your act together and understand reach and frequency. Marketing 101. Mm-hmm. I'm not that smart. <laughs> I just know fundamentals. Right. You know, it's like it's like your favorite quarterbacks, man. When stuff starts breaking down and they start missing passes, what do they do? They go back to the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Back to just how quick are we getting that ball out? Right. How are we snapping? Like just quick passes, quick short passes. Like let's just get away from the extravagant stuff. Get back to the fundamentals, get your groove back, and then we can go back to the, you know, it's it's that same thing. Mm-hmm. You all know how to do this in all these other parts of your life, but on digital, you don't, okay? So, so it goes on to say that every issue that we're facing right now comes down to oversaturation. People are just buried in content. This is true, right? Mm-hmm. You know, when you go camping and someone pulls out a guitar and you're like, oh my God, can you please stop? Grouse is a third A&R rep. 
that guy is on digital service providers now. (laughs) (laughs) That guy's on Spotify. Well, he is. In addition to those factors, executives say a hit doesn't mean what it used to. Mm -hmm. A hit doesn't mean what it's used to. Any hit, top 10 hit, top 40 hit, number one hit doesn't mean what it's used to. Why? Because a hit on radio is based on the amount of spins. Right. But if there's less than half the audience listening, Mm -hmm. it's going to have less than half the impact. I mean, all the time I'm seeing billboards, maybe on Music Row or in Music Row magazine or, you know, whatever. Congrats, whatever song hit number one. I'm like, oh, that was on my number one. I've heard it like three times. Because mm-hmm. I don't listen to radio much. Because yeah. I'm out here in the office, I don't have radio on, I'm usually working or I'm writing music or whatever. And then small town, I'm not commuting and listening to the radio much. My wife has it on CCM, so and worship in the house on... So I'm just not listening to country radio a lot. So, I, I mean, I'm trying to keep up here, you know, because it's part of the gig, yeah. you know, with what songs are out there. But I'm not as watching the horse races closely. So I'm always like, oh, that one went number one. Huh. Yeah. Whereas in the 90s, if it went number one, I knew it was going to go number one because it was wearing me out on radio. Yep. Because you were listening. listening. Yes. Yeah. Part of that seasonal life, you know, part of that seasonal life. There it is. And you've got to, in order for radio to work, it has to have listenership, mm-hmm. like a boatload of listenership, like mass amounts of listenership. And when it doesn't, you can still get the number one because you got the most spins. Yeah. But if less than half the people heard it than they did 20 years ago, it's going to have less impact, isn't it? Yeah. Like what you're exactly describing, Brent, is half the people don't know. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, it's the same thing like, you know, what Lefts has said, and we talked about in the last podcast with television. Like in the 70s, when there was only three stations, there's only three stations in the United States, ABC, NBC, CBS. Mm-hmm. Like if you watch Charlie's Angels on Wednesday nights at prime time. And we did. And we definitely did. Okay. <laughs> you also knew who the other two stars were on the shows that were competing on that time slot on the other two channels. Yeah. Because they were that famous because there's only three to remember. <laughs> right. Yeah. But yet, the big, one of the biggest shows that we've had in the 2000s, or in the 2010s, I would say, is The Walking Dead. And I remember my roommate, Chris Malk, he was my roommate at the time, coming home. He's like, you never guess who showed up my show tonight. I'm like, who? He's like, so-and-so. I'm like, who's that? Yeah. He's like, dude, from The Walking Dead. And I'm like, what's that? <laughs> he's yeah. like, the show I always have on TV when you come home, I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't, you know what I mean? Like that audience has 4 million people, The Walking Dead did, maybe 5 million. Mm-hmm. That's not 100 million. Right. Right? It's the same thing. You guys see what's going on here? So, you know, he says that a hit doesn't mean what it used to. It's common to hear grumbles about young acts who have hundreds of millions of plays of a single, but can't fill a small room for a live performance. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's easier today for folks to be passive fans, Irving says. For you to consider yourself really broken, people need to care about you beyond the song. Yeah. Where's the connectivity? Are people really dialed in in a deeper way? Okay, let's talk about that. Okay, here's what's happening. Here's why this is going on. Spotify doesn't create the repetition like radio did. Right. That's why Spotify is a distributor and radio was really like a promotional tool that made money, Mm -hmm. right? Because you heard it so many times 
it changed the marketplace, mm-hmm. right? People like the song was pounded into your head and then people fell in love with it and it became that big song. But to think that Spotify is a marketing tool, a promotional tool, a discovery tool is an imperfect understanding of Spotify. And while you can be on a thousand different playlists and you can have, you know, we've had one of our artists just recently get on a couple editorial playlists and with a 120 extra thousand streams, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't like, that's a lot of spins, but how many times have each individual person heard it? Yeah. It's not enough, right? It's not enough times and they like it and it's in a playlist and they're going to go around again and they're going to hear it. But they're falling in love with a song on a playlist. They're not connecting to the artist. Brent, you and I have talked about this on the podcast. And by the way, I think I reached out to you about that Disney artist that on Amazon, right? Didn't I ask you about that and send you a link to that? Well, I'm not sure. I'm not ringing a bell. What the heck is her name? Big, big pop star. Anyway, she dropped a track like a week ago or two weeks ago. Oh, you did. Was it Selena Gomez? Selena Gomez, yeah. And I go click on her song on Amazon, and before it plays the song, there's a message from her. Mm-hmm. Brent, you and I came up with that, man. <laughs> there's a message like, oh my God, thank you so much for listening to my new song, Single Again, or Single Soon, blah, blah, blah. It was like amazing, right? Yeah. I was like, holy crap. Like, we talked about like how they used to do shout outs on the radio. Mm-hmm. And so I see some stars trying to adapt. And I thought, well, that's really cool. Like, if, because what they did was the trigger was. You click on the the link to go to the song, but it doesn't take you right to the song. It takes you to this other thing before it goes to the song, which saves you having to put that shout out like on your master, right? Yeah. In the playlist. But that is a pattern interrupt Mm. that is helping people connect with her. Yeah. And the repetition is what it's going to take for the connection to happen. More repetition. But labels, you have to understand have up until less than 10 years ago were fighting streaming mm-hmm. because they wanted to sell CDs still because that's how they what they know how to do. Yeah. It's an uncomfortable change. Well, now that the golden goose has laid the egg and they're making the money streaming, their job is to make the money streaming. Mm-hmm. And so they are focused on what? Making money streaming. What are they not focused on? Branding artists. Yeah. And what's happening here? Right. You see this. So this is this is a huge thing to understand. Like who wants a deal right now? Who wants a record deal right now? Like if they spent instead of going to radio, if they spent all this money on pushing content out Mm -hmm. digitally, creating that repetition on a digital platform, you're going to have people that are falling in love with artists because I'm seeing their face every dang day in my feed. Yeah. I mean, guys, it's fundamentals. Right? Mm-hmm. It's fundamental. So, as a result of these shifts, some executives argue that the industry needs to change the way it thinks about breaking artists. As one AR executive puts it, maybe there aren't as many players slugging home runs, but there are more producing a steady stream of singles and doubles. So, right there is the very difference between how digital is consumed and how broadcast was consumed. Right, Because a radio station on a playlist only has 2016 spins a week. And if you're going to have 20 songs in heavy rotation, that is 1,400 spins, y'all. That's 70% of all the spins that week on 20 songs. Mm -hmm. So radio stations commonly spin in like 
30 songs, maybe 40 songs a week for months and months and months at a time. Mm -hmm. And there's no room for anybody else to see any sunlight. Yeah. So you get big trees, man. Like the, what are the trees in Northern California? Redwoods. The big redwood trees, like these huge, massive stars instead of this other, you know. And, but, but now, how many times have we talked about like the rise of the middle class of the artists? Mm -hmm. Because you can get some sunlight if you get out there and get in front of people and make some money. Well, now here the labels are changing how they're doing that. But. On one hand, they're changing like how they're signing and how they're viewing a hit and thinking, you know what, if we've got 30 artists that are hitting doubles, that's as good as eight mm -hmm. superstars, right, that are hitting home runs, financially speaking. But what they aren't doing, okay, what they aren't doing is deciding to market in different way than on radio. Yeah. So guess what? With 30 artists who they know aren't going to make as much money, back to my question I asked you before, Brent. What are those initial budgets going to look like coming out of the gate on a debut record? Still bigger, but they're going to get smaller. They're going to be smaller. Yeah. And so guess what? Radio, is that cheaper yet? No. no. Still costs the same amount of money. So your runway just got freaking shorter with this record deal mm -hmm. on something that you know from listening to this podcast isn't going to work. The labels are saying it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. They're talking about it. No, notice that the A&R executives aren't giving their names. Yeah, right. The managers are, but I mean, this is huge, guys. So Tanya Olitzer, the co-founder of a label and management company, God Mode, works with rapper JPEG Mafia, who she says has a traditional hit in a commercial sense. Even so, his business is, or, I'm sorry, she says he hasn't had a traditional hit in a commercial sense. But his business is enormous, she adds. We sold 15,000 vinyl records from his web store in 24 hours. He sells seven figures in merch. Makes a million dollars a year in merch. Okay? I've never even heard this cat, right? Right, yeah. But we don't talk about the mafia. Yeah. <laughs> Another act climbing into this camp is Lofi, a Berkeley-trained jazz singer and multi-instrumentalist who has amassed fans with swooning bossa nova and a lively TikTok presence. Hmm. 18-ish months after Lafayette released her debut EP, she was the number one selling artist in terms of merch in small cap rooms in 2022, hmm. according to At Venue, the payment processing system, which handles transactions at 125,000 shows a year. So she sold out a fall tour where the average room fit 1,500 fans. Some fans show up dressed like her, says her manager, Max Gredinger. Bourne believes that if you're an artist earning well into seven figures a year repeatedly on an annual basis, you've broken to a certain degree. Raise your hand if you're okay with earning seven figures a year repeatedly on an annual basis. This guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But he acknowledges it's a different recognition of what breaking means relative to one that much of the industry still relies on. Right. Remember how many times have we talked about paradigm shift, right? Mm -hmm. A paradigm shift in the marketplace. When you have that, you're going to have these benchmark that, and, and the bigger person that you're talking to, the bigger name, the one who's got a better track record, the one that you would give your left arm to work with because they broke all your favorite artists 20 years ago mm -hmm. is going to have more of those. Yeah. They're going to be less likely to adapt. Yeah. Right. Because they're going to be like, well, we need a hit to look like this or it's not working. Right. And if it's not working in their heart and in their head and in their spirit, then you're failing. Mm -hmm. So in a lot of ways, 
be careful who you connect with because you might be setting yourself up for failure because they're still trying to kick this dead horse and get it to do what they want it to do, but it ain't doing it anymore. Yeah. The horse is dead, y'all. <laughs> right. Ain't going to get up again. So that's partially because ticket and merch numbers don't matter as much to most labels unless an artist signs a 360 deal, which are increasingly out of favor with managers and lawyers Record companies are not getting a cut of those revenue streams. Increasingly out of favor with managers and lawyers about 360 deals. Hmm. Y'all, this is BS right here. It's out of favor with managers and lawyers. Okay, it's not BS. It's true. It's out of favor with managers and lawyers. But these same friggin' managers and lawyers were all about signing the 360 deals when they came out. Yeah. So what changed was the dynamic because more of the artists are coming to the label with more leverage because they have their own artist and they can say no mm-hmm. to a 360 deal. Ask Ranger Smith how many of those he turned down in the first five years before he accepted a record deal. Accepted. Ask Cody Johnson the same thing. Mm-hmm. Sorry, you were going to say something. I'll say accepted a record deal. Yeah, accepted or yeah, before they accepted a record. I mean, they're still trying to pitch him, y'all. But now the artists don't, they don't feel like they need to sign them. Mm-hmm. And so because they don't feel like they need to sign them, managers and lawyers, you know, a lawyer's not going to make money on an artist without a record deal. <laughs> and a manager's not going to make money on an artist without a record deal back in the day. Mm-hmm. Right? Because if you're not on radio, you're not making any money. And so they need to go where the money is. They need to go where the food is. I'm not saying they're bad people. I'm saying that's good business. Yeah. But now... They're like, you know what? We can do this without that. And so we're going to say no to that 360 deal. So this isn't out. So it's out of favor with managers and lawyers, but it's because it can be. Yeah. Not because they've decided. You know what I mean? Labels tend to earn the bulk of their money from streams, downloads, and old-fashioned sales, right? Which is, this is insane. I mean, you want to talk about like old school. Mm -hmm. The industry is slowly moving toward a different concept of breaking. One entertainment attorney says people are celebrating the mid-level breaks as if it's the biggest thing in the world because that's what you get these days. Steve Cooper, former CEO of Warner Music, says last year, former CEO of Warner Music, Mm -hmm. said last year that the company had taken steps to lessen its dependency on superstars. One way the major labels have done that is to step up signings with the goal of spreading growth across a larger number of artists rather than relying on a few tentpole acts, which is what we just talked about, right? Mm-hmm. In 2022, I'm going to screw up this name, Hartwick Massich, CEO of BMG, sorry, Hartwick, noted that his company's business model is designed to be robust enough not to need hits in order to survive. Mm. So... They're adapting, right, to the signing and everything, but they're still promoting the same way. Yeah. That's the problem right now, right? In addition, both major labels and streaming services are increasingly focused on identifying super fans and finding new ways to extract money from them. If these efforts are effective, the industry will be unable to avoid the reality that artists with small but passionate followings may generate more business than those with wide, shallow fan bases. Mm -hmm. Because those with wide, shallow fan bases, they're not listening to radio anymore. Not going to work, right? That's right. A study released by Spotify in July concluded that artists' most dedicated followers, presumably the ones that might come to a show dressed like the performer, and Mm -hmm. 
in the instance of Lofi, make up just 2% of their monthly listeners, but generate 18% of their streams. Hmm. Even more important, these devotees account for 52% of merch sales. So 2% of your monthly listeners generate 18% of your monthly streams in 52% of your merch sales. You know what's really easy? You know the best way to identify a super fan? <laughs> Follow the money. On digital. Digital marketing. Yeah. It'll tell you who it is. Mm-hmm. It'll tell you who it is, right? Oh, yeah. For now, the uneasiness felt around the music industry is likely to persist. The doomsday thing is comforting for people that don't know what's going to happen next, says Coyote Bad Miss Wellington, an A&R consultant for Def Jam. But he prefers to revel in the uncertainty. I don't know what's going to happen next, he adds, but I want to be a part of it. Well, I can tell you guys, that's the end of the article. And this is, it's just about fundamentals. You just have to bring the fundamentals to a digital platform. The fundamentals are the same. The tactics and the strategies have to be adapted to the new platform. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is the conversation I had with the Hey Goods, Right. right? And they got it like instantly. It's a digital platform. It's one-to-one. It's not one-to-many. Yeah. You want to get it to one-to-many, but even when you get it to one-to-many, like Taylor Swift, one to 250 million on Instagram, it's still one-to-one first. Yeah. Because you never sit down with your besties and stream your device to the big screen and look at your Instagram feed together. When I said that to the Hagos, they howled. They were like, oh, my God, that yeah. is so funny. Of course we don't. Uh, yeah, it's gross, right? It's weird. Yeah. It's creepy. I mean, one thing an yeah. artist – uh, I was thinking about this. One thing an artist doesn't ever have to say on Instagram or TikTok or whatever is, hey, y'all, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. Just hi, right? Because you're only talking to one person at a time. You're talking to one person at a time. And when you understand the psychology of how a one-to-one exchange works between two human beings mm-hmm. versus a one-to-many exchange, which, by the way, is in the free download at giftfromjohnny.com, J-O-H-N-N-Y, giftfromjohnny.com. It's a PDF download. Whoever owns the traffic rules their own. I explain all this, but this is the fundamental core from which all of your success will be built and you only be limited by your creativity. But as soon as you start asking the right questions, your subconscious will reward you with the right answers. But if you're asking the wrong questions, like why does this works on radio? Why doesn't it work on digital? That's the wrong question. Yep. Okay. So that's the ticket guys. So listen, I wanted to go over this. It's for you guys. It's, it's pay attention. Like some of you are, you're mid-level artists, you're big, you're talented, and you're starting to get some momentum. And as soon as you do, these people are going to come out of the woodwork and want to talk to you. Mm -hmm. And make no mistake, you are in the driver's seat. They are also lost. They just admitted it in this Billboard article. They don't know how to do this any more than you do. Mm -hmm. So, But the reason that you're at that table to talk with them in the first place is because you've already done enough of it to get their attention. Yeah. So don't be afraid to bring that up at the meeting and be like, you know what? Why don't we just, you give me the budget and this is how we're going to play this. We're going to do it my way with my team instead of your team and keep me off of radio. That's right. Like, I want you guys to go to radio. I think radio is going to disappear by the time you get there. But Hmm. if it's still there, I want you to be there, but it's not going to do you any good until, as Brent says, it's a second stage rocket, until you're bigger, yeah. right? So right now, the money's better spent on digital and getting to know who those super fans are, getting that cash flow going, and becoming 
a viable business and, and improving, continuing to improve your leverage. Okay, guys? So that's all I got to say about that. I'll put a link to this article in the show notes so that you can read it for yourself if you want to. If It's pretty telling, man. They're coming out and they're saying they're saying it now and, and they're saying they're lost and they're saying they don't know what to do and they're calling TikTok unpredictable. I mean, it's unpredictable because what worked, you know, the crappy shortcuts that they took in 2019 to break a song don't work anymore. That's what they mean by unpredictable. But what they haven't ever done to create predictability is bring the fundamentals of promotion and marketing to a digital platform. So you can do it. They can't. Make sure you're driving. Join the climb community. Follow the podcast. Tell a friend. This podcast exists because we want you to win. So keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.